This is episode number 78 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Welcome to the Fearless Presentations podcast. I'm Doug Stannard, CEO of the Leaders Institute and Fearless Presentations. And this is the podcast that helps people just like you become confident and poised presenters and speakers. This is podcast number 78. And on this episode, we're going to cover part three of a multi-part session on communication skills. So last week, we gave you a few tips about how about dealing with hecklers more effectively. And this week, we're going to cover a few simple things that you can do to really build trust and rapport with your audience so that those hecklers never present themselves. And then next week, we're actually going to cover a few things that you can do to help you resolve conflicts. The last, the last session, we're going to focus on how to really gain that enthusiastic cooperation from, from others. So not only, by the way, all of the tips that we're giving you are things that are going to be very, very helpful for you when you're actually up giving presentations, but they're also just good communication skills to use around the office and with your family and friends. It works in, in those kind of situations as well. So the podcast is brought to you by Fearless Presentations. And by the way, thanks to our listeners just like you, we we have seen a dramatic increase in the number of in-person fearless presentations classes that we've been delivering lately. And additionally, because we limit the number of people in each class to about 10, many of those classes are just filling up weeks and months ahead of time. So we're trying to add as many classes as we can to the schedule to make sure that you can find a, a class to to attend if, if that's what you're really looking for. Um, if you are looking to attend one of those Fearless Presentations classes, though, you might want to go to fearlesspresentations.com right away to look at the upcoming schedule because a lot of the classes that I mentioned on last week's episode are now filling up pretty dramatically. But we still have seats in Milwaukee and Dallas. Boston, Philadelphia, Chicago, Seattle, Miami, Indianapolis, Charlotte, San Antonio, Houston, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., Minneapolis, Philadelphia, Columbus, and New York. Um, some of those only have one or two seats left in them, though. So if you're interested in going to any of those classes, go to fearlesspresentations.com to access the full schedule. And don't forget that, that we can conduct private classes for groups of up to five people, as well as, um, uh, you know, as well as really customize the content for that size group. And, and it's a tremendous discount. So you can, you can train 10, 12 people for about the same price as it would cost you to send two or three people to a public class. So much, a very significant discount if you do it that way. And then finally, don't forget about the Fearless Presentations online course. I mentioned a few on a few episodes back that that we had really redesigned the online course. We've updated it. Um, we we are really proud of the the content that we've been able to add into that online course in the last few weeks. It took us. We spent the better part of about nine months really redesigning the whole thing from from top to bottom. And we've gotten some really good feedback. In fact, a lot of the people that are in our in person Fearless Presentations classes have uh, started using that as their textbook. They're actually having their their laptops or their tablets in class and using the online course as their textbook for the course because it's just so convenient to have everything right there. So if you're interested in that, go to fearlesspresentations.com. You can mouse over 
the public speaking course link that's in the top toolbar. And then uh, a new toolbar will open up with um, information about the online course. So just click the online course for details. So let's get on with today's podcast. So in the last couple of sessions, we've talked about communication skills and we've done a few different things on communication skills. Last week, we talked about hecklers and how to deal with, with folks that kind of interrupt you. What we're going to do is back up just a little bit, though, and focus on one of the really most important things uh, to to that we need to do anyway before we we really start in depth in our presentation is you really have to build that trust, build that rapport with your audience. And by the way, this is true whether or not you're speaking to 10 people or 100 people or 1,000 people or just one person. So it, it's very important to build that trust, build that rapport with, with each person or each group of people that we're communicating with. So what I've done is I've updated or I've taken some of the content from the book that I wrote years ago called 28 Ways to Influence People and kind of customized that just for the uh, for uh, situations where you're in front of a group. So in in um, in the book, uh, it's basically 28 ways to influence people. It, it, the 28 tips or leadership tips or things are just good principles that you can use to build strong, long-lasting friendships with people, to build great business relationships, to build great marriages for that for that point from for that matter. Um, so and so they're just a very good practical skill sets. And the, basically, the way that the book is broken down is in four really component parts. The first one is building that trust and rapport. Second, the second area is in resolving conflicts because it doesn't really matter how great of a relationship that we have with somebody. Eventually, we're going to have a conflict with them. And the faster and easier we can resolve those conflicts, the the, the stronger of a relationship that we're going to have with the, the people around us. The third area is gaining cooperation from, from people. And then the fourth area in the book is building the next generation of leaders around you. So what I've done is I've taken just a few of those concepts that are in the first few chapters of the, the book and show and I'm going to show you how you can actually use these when you're up in front of a group to really build that trust and rapport. So tip number one of the book is you want to avoid criticizing. You want to avoid complaining. Um, and actually, I didn't come up with this. I mean, this was, I, you know, it's not because I'm phenomenally brilliant. It's, it, this is actually if you if you ever read the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Chapter one of his book is also about avoiding criticism. And, you know, so it's the, the one of the great things about what Carnegie does in that book is he really goes into detail about how, you know, people don't like to be criticized. You know, so we all think that they're that we're right. And I think in the book, if I remember right, it's been years ago since I since I read it. But I think in the in the first part of the book, he talks about um, some of the most notorious gangsters and how even, you know, these these people that were murderers and, and criminals, when they were when they were arrested, they still thought of themselves as being right, you know, that they were doing the right thing. And I think most people are that way. It doesn't really matter how good or bad our behavior is. We always kind of think that we're right. So anytime somebody criticizes us, us, we we see that as being a negative. And I, I can tell you that as a public speaking coach and as a presenter myself, one of the biggest turnoffs that I get when I'm in the audience of a, of a presenter is when that presenter starts to criticize somebody that's not there to defend themselves, just critical in general, but especially when they criticize somebody that's not there. Um, the, it turns the whole presentation into something that's more negative and it's not really uplifting for, for the audience. And it makes the, the presenter really kind of seem little. You know, it's, it, it belittles the, the presenter when he or she is, is doing that. 
Um, I, I, the way that I like to explain this when I'm teaching my leadership classes that makes it really easy for folks to kind of get a grasp of is to, to kind of do an analogy. When, when every single person that you ever meet in your lifetime, you're going to have what I call a relationship bank account with that person. And when I say relationship bank account, basically what I'm saying is that any positive experiences that we have with that person is a deposit into that bank account. And any negative instances that we have is going to be a withdrawal of the, from that bank account. And a lot of times what happens is when we're, when we're presenting or when we're dealing with people, if all they ever see is a critical side of us, then basically we're get, having withdrawal after withdrawal after withdrawal after withdrawal from that bank account. And that, that bank account gets overdrawn very quickly. The other thing that you got to keep in mind about the way that this relationship bank account works is that the positive deposits that we put in there are almost always tiny. <laughs> so one bit, one withdrawal can take away three or four different deposits. So even if we're being mostly positive and then somewhat negative in our presentations, one of those one of those negative instances can have such a dramatic downturn on the morale in the in the audience that it can suck away a lot of that positive stuff that that you've kind of built up in the in, in the earlier parts of the presentation. So keep that in mind. If you really want to build trust and rapport, try to keep from from being very critical. I, I there are situations where you really need to call attention to something that's negative. And the way that I like to do this and when I'm speaking is I like to be more self-critical. So if I'm going to criticize something, most of the time I'm going to kind of follow my sword and kind of tell a story or an experience where, you know, if I'm trying to get somebody to change behavior, I'll talk about a time that I didn't do that behavior. So sometime where I screwed up and as a result of not doing the thing that I'm suggesting that they do, it, it, it cost me or it, it had a negative, it had a negative impact on, on my career, and my future. And a lot of times when you tell that kind of self self deprecating type of story, it can be kind of funny. People people enjoy enjoy it when we kind of poke fun at ourselves a little bit. But it's a whole lot easier for for an audience to agree with me if I'm telling them that I screwed up than if I tell them that somebody else screwed up, especially somebody else that's not there to defend themselves. So kind of keep that in mind. If you're if you're going to be critical, be critical of yourself when you're when you're giving your presentations. The second thing is um, the second thing that that is a good way to really build trust and rapport is to look at things from your audience's perspective. Now, this is one of the things that we focus a lot on in the two-day fearless presentations class. When we go in and do coaching with people or when folks come to our public fearless presentations classes, one of the things that we really try to help them do is to, before you actually design your presentations, kind of think about what the audience really wants from this presentation. Because most of the time, what the audience wants to hear from us when we speak and what we want to tell the audience when we speak are two totally different things. And the more that we focus on us, the less rapport that we're going to have with them. The more we focus on them and what they want, the the more the more they're going to like us. And so keep that in mind. Um, when I, I give you, by the way, this happens inevitably in in the, the fearless presentations classes that we teach uh, because it's kind of human nature. You know, a lot of times when let's say it's a salesperson in the in the uh, two day public speaking class, a lot of times what we do as salespeople is we're we're giving our presentations based on how great our product or service is. So we spend the entire time 
delivering our sales presentation about our product or service is great because of blank. And it's also great because of blank. And it's also great because of blank. When in reality, what the audience really wants to know is, hey, I've got problems. <laughs> Can your product or service help me solve my problems? So if you focus more on the problems or or challenges that the audience has and helps them solve those things, the audience is going to love you. So keep that in mind as well. So so look at things from the other person's perspective or from the audience's perspective, and you'll typically have a, a pretty good presentation. The third thing that we teach in the in the uh, high impact leaders class and in, in 28 ways to influence people is to smile more. And you wouldn't think this would be a, a uh, like a big thing around the office or specifically in presentations, but you'd be shocked and surprised at how often when we start our presentations, we've got a neutral expression or a frown on our face. And I'll, I'll give you a good example of how this was challenging to me when I was when I was kind of first starting out in business. When I when I the, the, my first real job after I graduated from college, I was working for a, for an oil company and the the guy who trained me was an excellent business guy, but he wasn't a really good manager. So I never got any training. So he hired me to do a specific job, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I, it was quite a bit different than what I had studied in in college. And so I I spent the first really probably two months trying to make sure that people didn't figure out that I didn't really know what I was doing. So the way, the way that I would compensate for that is that I would come in really, really early and I would leave really, really late. I'd be the first one in and the, the last one to leave at the end of the day. Uh, anytime somebody would come around my my desk or my office, you know, I had all kind of, always had lots of papers on my desk so that, you know, look, I was looking busy. And so when somebody would kind of walk in to, to the the shared office space that, that we had, I was, you know, really diligently reading some paper or something like that, you know, so I wasn't really making a great connection with the, the folks that were, that I was working with. And what the, the woman who, who was kind of the office manager, her name was Debbie. It was funny because she and I would, since I was there very early and she was the one who kind of opened the office up a lot of times the first 20, 30 minutes or so of the, of the morning, we were the only two in the office. And so we had a, a habit, we'd go in, one of us, whoever got there earlier would, would kind of make the coffee and and then, uh, and um, we would kind of, you know, share, have a cup of coffee, a co- cup of coffee around the kitchen table, typically before we'd kind of start our day. And I was there for maybe three or four weeks before Debbie kind of said something that was really blunt to me, which, in essence, it was kind of funny at the time. It wasn't funny at the time. It's kind of funny now when I think back on it. But she kind of looked at me. She said, "Hey, Doug, um, are you are you a happy guy?" And I was like, "Well, yeah. I mean, I'm as happy as the next guy, I guess." Anyway, she goes, "Maybe you should tell your face." And I kind of thought about that for a second. I was like, "What the heck?" You know. And I was offended when she said it because remember what I said in that first principle is you don't want to be critical. For to me, I saw her as being very critical of me and. The, the conversation just kind of was a it, it was a there was a blunt kind of stoppage to the to the uh, um, to the conversation. And I kind of went back and with my tail between my legs back to my office. And the um, but I as as I was sitting there for the next 10, 15, 20 minutes, I was going, why on earth would she say something like 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 that to me? That was just odd and weird and. And then I started thinking later on, after I got less defensive, I was thinking, well, maybe she's actually right. You know, you know, I am kind of not I'm being a little maybe people are perceiving me as a, as being kind of standoffish, you know. 
So that morning, uh, when my my suite mate, the the guy who was who was uh, had the same desk in my office, uh, we had we had offices and desks in the same office anyway. His name was Todd, and when Todd came in that morning, um, I just kind of paused, stopped what I was doing. And kind of looked up at Todd and said, hey, good morning. And I smiled at him for the first time. That was the first time I probably had smiled at him in the three or four weeks that I've been working there. And he kind of brushed me off just like he normally did. And he went over and started doing his work. 20, 30 minutes later, though, he kind of came up to me and he said, he said, hey, I just wanted to kind of check in with you because I remember how it was when I started here. And he said, you know, you know, our boss, Wade, he doesn't really train people. And, and he said, you're probably right now feeling a little frustrated. And I went, oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> I certainly am. And I and he said, you're probably wondering exactly what you should be doing. And nobody's really teaching you anything. And I was like, yeah, it's exactly what's happening. And so he he went through and kind of showed me a few things. He spent about an hour and a half with me that morning just kind of walking me through some of the processes that I've been struggling with. It was a, it was a big relief off of, off of my shoulders because I didn't have to hide anymore. And it was, it was, uh, I didn't, that was what I was trying to keep people from figuring out. And, you know, they're not stupid. They knew, they knew that I was probably struggling because they went through the same thing when, when they started as well. So the thing is, is that as blunt as Debbie was to me, when she kind of made that, that little criticism, it, it got me to think differently about the way that I was interacting with my coworkers and just that little smile at the beginning of the day with the, with the, with kind of a warm greeting made it to where for the first time since I'd been working there, Todd stopped what he was doing and, and made an effort to kind of help me. And I think that's one of the things that we, that, that happens to a lot of folks when they're, when they're speaking or presenting, you know, we want to stand up in front of the room and we want people to, to, think, well, I'm not really nervous and I'm not scared. So I'm going to stand here with a stern look on my face. When in reality, you're, you're distancing ourselves. We're distancing ourselves from the audience, a, a warm smile an open um, body language, you know, is, is something that will, that will build that trust with the audience a lot faster than a stern look. So, so smile more often when you're in front of a group and, and you'll build that trust and rapport with them. The the fourth one that we kind of talk about in the um, in the uh, uh, twenty eight ways to influence people book is in in the book it's you know make an effort to remember names and and the reason why we we focus on that one is because when when we're interacting with people in the business world if if we meet somebody and then months later we see them again and we're able to call that person by name basically what we're telling that person is you're important you know you were important enough for me to remember you when because there's a good chance that even if we remember that person's name there's a good chance that, that person's probably forgotten our name if we if it was just in passing that they that they got it so when you're in front of a group, especially when you're in front of a group of people that don't know you and you're trying to build rapport, sometimes you can do what I call name dropping audience members in order to get the audience really involved. I do this a lot in my team building events. So when I'm going out and I'm a lot of times when when I'm doing a team building activity, typically those are short in stature. So a lot of times I may only be speaking for an hour or a couple hours. And it's very important that I build that rapport with the audience very quickly because we're going to be interactive, we're going to have be be having fun, and I want them to to feel at ease. And so, a lot of times, when when in the very early stages, I'll do some things like audience participation to get the audience really involved and and get them to kind of start laughing. I'll you know make self deprecating jokes at myself and stuff like that. So I, I get the audience involved a little bit, and I'm looking around the room for the people that are. 
um, I, I don't want to say heckling because that's kind of a negative of the people that are interacting with me and um, in kind of a bartender way, you know, <laughs> I guess is the best way to to uh, kind of explain it there. I'm looking for the people that are fun. I'm looking for the people that are, you know, making jokes and stuff like that, because um, I know that if I get those people on my side, that the audience is going to warm up very, very quickly. And so a lot of times what I'll do is once I a lot, these folks will a lot of times be wearing name tags because it's a, a lot of times they're, they're at annual meetings or some type of other situation where the people may not know each other very well. And when I get one of those people that are at, interacting with me and I'm at, during my presentations, I might just call that person by name and say something um, in a in kind of a fun way, you know, like, like for instance, um, if I'm, if I'm teaching a skill, if I'm teaching a, a, let's say I'm doing a networking activity or something like that. And, um, and I'm just before I have the group interact, I might, um, you know, the, the guy who's interrupting or not interrupting, but the guy who's, who's, um, you know, being funny, maybe his name is Joe. And I, and I'll just kind of say, yeah, Joe, I knew you wouldn't forget that one. Right. So it's just something really quick where I'm calling attention to that person who's in, who's in the room. And, um, and what, what tends to happen is when you call that person by name or call people in the audience by name, all of a sudden the whole audience kind of perks up if you do it the right way. Right. If you, if you do it in a, in a very positive way, you can get the audience on your, on your side very quickly. So, so name dropping audience members can be very helpful. Had a, we've had folks that do this instinctively in our public speaking classes where, the, the um, it, one of the last things that we do in the fearless presentations class is we'll have um, each person kind of give a a presentation that they design in class and they they deliver it to the the um, the rest of the people that are in the audience or the, in the class. And it's it's interesting because every once in a while there will be somebody in in the group that will instinctively name drop. And the way that they will do it is as they start to deliver their key concepts to the audience, they will sometimes bring back into the the memory of the people in the audience something that one of the other presenters said 10 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago, call attention to that in one way or another. And it's 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 very it's a very elite kind of skill when you're able to pull it off effectively. But it's a good way to really build that trust and rapport. And some folks just kind of do it instinctively. I have to work at it myself. But but if you can do that either way, it, it makes it a whole lot better. So the last tip that we're going to cover is the one that's a lot of times we we tend to disregard when we're up presenting because we think that when when I'm the speaker and I'm the presenter and I'm standing up in front of the the room and I'm the whole my whole purpose is to tell the audience information that they need to know when in reality it's a conversation that we're having we we want to be able to make that the, the presentations that we're delivering more of a dialogue where we are getting feedback from the audience and we're updating, we're, we're tailoring our content to what the audience is really telling us that they want. And, um, and so the, the tip is to really listen to your audience. And sometimes that happens actually while you're delivering the presentation. In fact, this happens to me a lot where somebody will interrupt me with a question and I can tell by the way that the person asked the question and watching the way that the other people in the room will react to the, to that question when it's asked that uh, if so a lot of times I can tell that wait this is not only important to this person who's asking the question, but I can see that four, five, six, 10, 15, 20 of the other people in the audience have that similar question. And so 
it helps me because it it may tell me that I've I've said something earlier that's confusing, but more often than not, it it tells me that maybe the presentation that I'm given is slightly off track. The audience is really looking for something a little bit different than maybe what I've prepared, and as a result, I can adjust on the fly and provide and and kind of change the content around a little bit. By the way, if you're do if you're if you're designing your presentations in a similar way to what we teach you how to do in fearless presentations by by um, coming up with a few major concepts that are really audience focused and then reinforcing those concepts with stories and examples and analogies and audience participation and stuff like that. This is real easy to do. It's real easy to adjust on the fly. It's a little bit harder though, if you've got 142 bullet points that you're kind of reading and clicking, reading and clicking, reading and clicking, because it's almost impossible to adjust a, a presentation like that. So. The way that you design your presentation makes it a little bit easier. But I, again, I'm still, I mean, I'm not perfect when I'm, when I'm delivering presentations. In fact, I'll give you an example of one. This I would like to say that this happened to me a decade ago and I learned from it. I will never, ever do this again. This is really more like, I don't know, six or seven weeks ago. I was, I was asked to come in and give a presentation. It was a full day class. And so I, I spent the time to um, uh, get on the phone with the person who hired me, find out as much as I could about the the, the uh, people that were in attendance and try to customize that content as, as best I can with very little information. So I, I was probably on the phone with my contact person for maybe an hour or so to to get as much information as I could about the about the people that were going to be in the audience. Well, a couple of weeks before I was actually supposed to deliver this one day class, I got a, an agenda of the of the entire day. And it turned out that the first couple of hours was going to be the uh, human resource person that was going to do um, a um, the results. So she was going to present the results of an of a um, personality assessment that they had done. Well, th- the thing that the, the client had hired me to do was to actually conduct a personality assessment for them as well you know so so basically the thing that they were hiring me to do the hr person had, was already going to do it so i'm on the phone with my client and and adjusting the content as best i can to you know on, on such short notice to kind of make it a, a little bit more applicable because i don't I, the last thing in the world i want to do is go in and say something different than what the person who works for the company is saying or say it in a, in a different way and cause confusion. So that was it, that was already going to be kind of challenging. Plus, it took I, I had seven hours of, of class that had now been trimmed down to about five when when um, with a couple hours taken off the top. So so again, not a big deal happens all the time. Still still not that big of a challenge. But when I got into the room that morning, it, it turns out that um, the company had also done a survey of the people that were in the audience and they wanted to spend another hour uh, giving the survey results from. Um, and so that would have cut more time off and and it was going to be very challenging. Well, the human resource person got up and instead of going two hours, she ended up going a little over three. And uh, and then they wanted to do the assessment. So they came up to me the the, the person who hired me came came to me after the HR person had finished and said, um, it said, hey, OK, the, the the bosses really want us to cover the, the survey results. Um, 
but I don't want to cut your time too short because I know you've got like seven hours of content that you've already trimmed down to five and and now we're going to trim it down to, you know, four or less. Um, so so what I, she said, so what I'll do is I'm just going to go and I'll just go before you and I'll just do a really, really quick uh, summary of the of the survey results, which sound like a pretty good idea to me, you know, but um, when. Uh, and, and after the break, the boss came up and said, hey, why don't you just give us the, the survey results in your presentation, which is fine, right? I'm not an expert on these surveys. I didn't do the survey. It wasn't me that that did this. But, you know, I'm I'm a professional, so I can kind of do that. Right. So I what I did, though, was I went ahead and started the class, my my session, just like like I normally would with my normal intro. And then I was going to go into the survey results that would give me the next break, the first break anyway, to to scan the, the survey results and, and be able to kind of speak on a on a more informed basis. Well, because the boss had said that he wanted those survey results, you know, before I started and there was no way I could be prepared to do that. Um, I the uh, after that first break, they um, the boss kind of came up to me again and said, hey, you know, we want to go a different route. So we're just going to have our guys kind of deliver the survey results because we understand that, that you're kind of uncomfortable since you didn't get this in advance, you know, and uh, which was helpful. It would have been helpful, except that they spent another hour and a half talking about the survey results. Right. So basically we ended up spending most of the day in that, in that session, um, talking about the problem without ever offering any solutions or, you know, only offering solutions in the last, you know, hour and a half of the, of the full day. So it was kind of a wasted time period. And, um, it, it would have been a lot easier if I had, had taken my own advice and account and really listened to the audience. The audience at that point was not the woman who hired me. It was the bosses who was in the, who were in the room. And if, and if I had kind of paid attention to what was most important to them, it would have been a much better session. It would have been a much better process. So kind of keep that in mind. You, gotta, you Sometimes we can be our own worst enemies by kind of anticipating what we think the audience is really looking for and not really listening to them. So, um, and, and sometimes you really have to kind of do that on the fly and do your best to, to kind of make your presentations, you know, um, as effective as possible. So keep that in mind. So anyway, so let, let me recap those five things. First thing is you don't want to criticize as, as much, as little as possible. Anyway, you, you, do you want to be critical where you're in front of the room? Look at things from the audience's perspective. If you do that, they're going to be much more into the content that you're trying to get across to them. Smile more. That that first initial smile that that you give your audience when you stand up in front of the room is it typically is is very helpful in helping you set the the first the, the stage, so to speak, to um, to build that trust and rapport. Every once in a while, you might want to name drop audience members in order to get them involved in the presentation and under every single circumstance listen to your audience uh, sometimes the presentation that you're that you're giving isn't going to be going very well and so you have to be able to adjust that presentation on the fly in in order to kind of hit the the actual needs of what your audience really wants if you do those five things it should be a whole lot easier for you to build that trust and rapport with your audience so thanks for being a part of today's podcast remember that next week we're going to continue the communication skills podcast series and talk about how to deal with conflicts. So there the tips that we're going to give you next week are things that you can do whether you're you there's 
you you notice that there is a conflict that's erupting in your presentation. Maybe it's dealing with one of those hecklers like we talked about last week, or it could be that uh, something that you've prepared isn't going over as well as what you want to. How do you make that correction on the fly? These things can also be used, though, just in one-on-one situations around the office or when you're dealing with significant others or family members. So they're very, very effective. So tune in next week for the Fearless Presentations podcast. And if you haven't yet subscribed, make sure and hit the subscribe now button. And because we you want to be able to get all of this great content every single time that we deliver a new podcast. So we'll see you next week on the Fearless Presentations podcast. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.